Hello, I'm Philip Simon. And I'm Rachel Krieger. We are two Jewish comedians. I'm Reform, so I grew up going to Sunday school. And I'm Orthodox, so every day was Sunday school. This is the chat show that recreates the sensation of finding yourself on the miscellaneous table at your cousin Hannah's bat mitzvah. Even though it's not their party, everyone thinks they're the star of the show. Each week we'll bring you two of our favourite Jews to chat about their lives and experiences growing up and how much Jewishness plays a part. Are they gribbiners for snacking? or a roast with crackling. Um, talking about crackling, this episode was recorded during the first half of lockdown number one, before every comedian had a podcast and their own fancy recording setup. So please don't be put off by all the crackling, no matter what the source. Smooth disclaimer out the way. Welcome to Jew Talking to Me. So Philip, how Jewish has your week been? This happened today, actually, but because of how we're recording these episodes, it actually happened weeks ago. It's actually my mum's birthday today. Happy birthday, Mrs S. Oh, thank you. She'll be delighted. Um, and actually, we're not really allowed to mention it, but it's a pretty big one. So we're planning a socially distanced family tea on the weekend, which she knows about because she doesn't like surprises. But I also have a sister living in New York who will be joining us for the tea on Zoom, even though for her it will actually be breakfast. And my mum knows about this as well. But we thought it might be nice to include my sister in it more than just a video chat so we contacted a local new york bakery to see if we could order a cream tea and when we sent the email the baker replied to double check because they'd received a very similar request from a mrs simon and wanted to know if it was the same party ah. so my mum hadn't wanted my sister feeling left out either so she'd ordered the cream tea although we now have to keep that a secret from my sister which is fine for me to mention here because by the time the episode goes out this will all be over but i love love how Jewish it is that for my mum's big birthday party, which she knows about, we're having to keep a secret from one of the guests. <laughs> so does that mean your sister is now going to have two teas? No, 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 no. Uh, we let my mum pay for that one. She doesn't want surprises. Fine, she can pay for it. What about you, Rachel? What's been the most Jewish thing that's happened to you this week? On Saturday, I actually went back to synagogue for the first time since the pandemic began. And it was a COVID safe service, which was really, really bizarre. When we arrived, they took my temperature temperature and then everyone had to wear masks for as long as they were in the building obviously and use hand gel coming in and out any of the rooms and there was a one-way system so basically there was like a lot of business before you actually got to your socially distanced seat and I found it quite challenging so first of all I couldn't chat to my neighbour we were spread out and the masks made it impossible to see how long anyone's lockdown beards have got there was no food there's no kiddish at the end but what I found quite entertaining is that we've got a rotor of men and another rotor of women to act as chaperones for each service so that if someone arrives who hasn't been there before you could be a friendly face you can help them find somewhere to sit make sure they've got a prayer book and all that and when I got to my seat I found two notes the top note said please Rachel could you be the women's chaperone for this service and it had a list of all the instructions and then there was another note that was telling me that I was in fact the only woman booked for that service so what I had to do was chaperone myself uh, throughout the whole thing and I can tell you that I made myself feel very welcome indeed. Nice to know that you can chaperone because it's time for us to introduce our guests. First up we have a former singer songwriter and gentleman's barber turned actor and comedian best known as his alter ego Sol Bernstein but to us it's our good friend Steve Jameson. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Steve what kind of Jew are you? I think the word is secular. I'm very Jewish, but I don't practice anything. Maybe you don't need to practice because you're so good at it now. I've been doing it over 70 years. You're right. 
<laughs> and Steve, what is the most Jewish thing that's happened to you recently? The most Jewish thing I've done recently is go and buy challah bread. My wife isn't Jewish, but she has fallen in love with challah. I've been going to Daniel's in uh, Temple Fortune and queuing up and buying challah bread, which is lovely because I'm trying not to eat bread because I've, I've got a little bit of extra weight and I'm trying to cut down bread, but she loves challah, so... We buy colour. That's very sweet. How long have you been married? We've been married five years. And is the, the love of colour, is that a new thing for her? Yeah. I'll tell you what happened. A friend of mine, since the lockdown, a friend of mine turned up one day, phoned me up and he said to me, where are you? So I said, I'm at home. He said, I'm downstairs in the flats. And he'd been shopping to some deli in Radlett. And he brought he brought colour, he brought bagels, he brought chopped herring, smoked salmon, cream cheese, pickled cucumber, the whole schmear. And um, Wendy fell in love with uh, with colour. I really like that. Our next guest ditched a legal career for a life as an award-winning comedian. He's appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and Jay Leno and The Late Show with David Letterman and was the topic of conversation between Jerry Seinfeld and Sarah Silverman on Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. But it's another good friend of ours, Al Lubel. I have to match your energy. Right. This is Jewish of me, I guess, that I don't feel wanting to match your energy. I don't feel your energy. I feel the competition of your energy. I feel like less than your energy. I feel anger at you for not even doing it on purpose. But if you hadn't gone, Al Lubel, the whole buildup, I wouldn't feel bad right now. But thank you. Would you like me to start again and really underplay your presence? No, because it wouldn't be organic and natural on your part. I prefer right. the truth. The truth was I was excited that you're here. So uh, Al, what kind of Jew are you? Well, just there from my reaction, that's quite Jewish, isn't it? I'm not able to accept a compliment, accept joy. Now, I don't know, you British Jews may be a bit different. I think you're a little than us American Jews. New York Jews, especially. Queens, New York Jews. Mm. Fresh Meadows, Queens, New York Jews. 172nd Street, 7336, 172nd Street, New York Jews. I'm an anti-Semitic. <laughs> we'll see you on Twitter then. What? <laughs> no, I'm also a lazy Jew. And I'm also afraid of being outed. I'm outing myself now. But I don't like putting things in writing because I used to be a lawyer. So I know putting things in writing scares me. So I wouldn't tweet about anything. But no, I'm an Islamic only in the sense that you know, I was an only child and uh, my father worked nights a lot. Mo he worked nights, you know, so he wasn't there a lot. And I was jealous of my neighbors, you know, across the street, like two girls and then a mother, a father who was home for dinner, you know? It seemed like all the other parents were like that. So I think I got like a sense of not feeling good about my family, to be quite honest with you. There were good moments. I'm not being completely negative. There were nice moments. They were funny. My mother and father were funny. But still, I felt less than, to be quite honest with you. I felt a little less than other Jewish families. And there were almost all other families were Jewish, right? So I think unconsciously, even consciously, I developed a sense of inferiority. And for me being Jew, instead of like looking at those Jews as being great Jews, I looked at my Jews, my parents and me as being less than great Jews. And so maybe that's why I have a little of uh, negativity towards Judaism. Obviously, there's a lot going on at the moment, and we always like to check wait, in. Wait, 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 wait. There's a lot going on at the moment. Isn't there always a lot going on? There's like 7 billion people in the world. Yeah. Have ever been a period where there's not a lot going on? What kind so of that, statement is that? Don't ask me to assume that's a valid statement. Not so obvious that there's a lot going on. But let's not, I don't like the obviously, I don't like to be suckered into like accepting. What if, what if other people say, now I've impliedly agreed with your statement just by even answering your question? The obvious, the obviously a lot going on guy. Because I've 
agreed with your question. No, no, no. Let's just say that I'm not necessarily agreeing because there's always been a lot going on, right? Steve, how are things with you? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's wrong today. Anti-Semitism, that's my biggest gripe. We should say for context, we are at a period of lockdown where Jews and other allies have taken it upon themselves to uh, boycott some forms of social media for 48 hours. I'm off of Twitter for 48 hours. It's great. I wish I could be off of Facebook for, well, both of them forever. I'm not crazy about social media, but I spend too much time on Facebook and Twitter anyway. And I, I can't think which one I hate more. I think I probably hate Twitter more. There's more more anti-Semitism on Twitter. I think Facebook, maybe I'm wrong, might be in my, my page a little bit more Jew-friendly. So really, uh, that's what's wrong with me today. It's funny because today... I was quite behind with all the things that I had to do. And I kept thinking, well, I've probably got about seven more hours because I'm not on Twitter. Like, how am I behind? I've had loads of extra time. I managed to have a sleep this afternoon, which I slept for an hour. Al, what's the matter, Bubbler? Well, uh, this has bothered me all week. See, I have this joke in my act that I've had like for 10 years. And the part of it is Superman television show and the comic strip was created by two Jewish guys, Schuster and Siegel. Yeah. And my theory was that Superman really is a Jewish guy. I mean, he, he's really Jewish. No one ever says he's Jewish, but he really is Jewish. That's my theory. And actually his name, Superman, is not really his name. It's a different name. It's a different pronunciation, but they didn't use that because it doesn't sound so heroic. You know, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's a Superman. You know, it's just Superman again. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, gonna, he's probably going to meet his superhero uh, building crawling friend, Spitterman. And, uh, <laughs> but then I heard Rachel, right, um, uh, last week, you said, didn't you say that the Big Bang Theory has done a similar joke to that? Yeah, they have. Phil Spiderman. Phil Spiderman. Who, who's. Uh, no, Phil? they just say that it's a superhero name like Spiderman. And they're talking to somebody who doesn't know about heroes and comics. So they explained to him that he's a, he's a superhero called Spider Spider-Man. He's not Phil Spider-Man. Oh, oh my God. This, my, I am so negative. I took that to mean, so they don't even have, because I don't, I went online. I was got crazy. I went on Google looking for Big Bang Theory Supplement. I couldn't find <laughs> it. I was thrilled, but then I thought you said they, so they never did supplement. I mean, I'm not saying Maybe. I've got an encyclopedic knowledge, but to my recollection, it was, his name's not Phil Spiderman, which I found really funny. Oh, that's great. Okay, thank Because my joke is Supperman. It's, it's Supperman. It's got a Superman. Mm -hmm. it's that's my yeah, joke yeah. good they didn't do my joke i was furious i thought they stole my joke because i've had my joke for 10 years at least you know i was doing it in new york and if they did it they would have done it after i had it because they started like about well i had my joke for 12 years actually in like 2008 and i think they only began their show in 2008 so the odds are that if, i don't think they stole it but really i was obsessing about the fact mm -hmm. that they could have stolen my joke but i was also obsessing that people could come up to me after the show even if they didn't steal it because they could have thought of it originally and i thought of it originally and people have yeah. this implication you're not original if someone else does what you do no i mean darwin and wallace they both thought of evolution they both originally thought thought of it they were both original they didn't steal from each other you know no one ever went up to darwin and hey you know about this wallace guy you really think you thought of evolution do you are you sure you did or you did maybe hear a speech from this guy you know and i'm saying so like i don't want to feel less good about my joke you know so it obsessed me that uh because i like my joke you know jokes are like your baby right and then it's almost like my baby has an identical twin now and my identical twin is with the big bang theory and it's almost like i have an identical twin 
My, I have a child that's an identical twin, but to another parent. This is the most Jewish show of all time because we've oh. now had a correction that apparently it's not in the Big Bang Theory. It's in Friends, which makes sense because Friends is on here about 23 hours of the day. And in fact, our producer, Russell, has sent me the text of the exact moment it's mentioned in Friends, which is Phoebe. Hey, why isn't it like Spiderman, you know, like Goldman or Silverman? And Chandler says, because it's not his last name. Hang on, why aren't I playing Chandler in this? Oh, can you see the thing as well? Let's do it. Let's reenact it. We're going to act this out. I'm going to play Chandler because for years people told me I looked like Matthew Perry. And since lockdown, I definitely look like Matthew Perry in his slightly overweight phase. So, okay, you do Phoebe, I'll do Chandler. Okay, but I can't do accents. I just sound racist. I'm going to have to do it like she's from Essex because... Okay, I'm playing Chandler racist. <laughs> hey, why isn't it Spiderman? You know, like Goldman or Silverman? It's not his last name. It isn't? No, it's not like Phil Spiderman. He's a Spider Man. You know, like Goldman is a last name, but there's no gold man. Oh, okay. There should be a gold man end scene. I think they did mention it in the Big Bang Theory, but maybe they were quoting friends. It looks like they don't have it. You know, I don't think the Bang Theory has the joke, right? And I wouldn't do the Spider-Man. You know, they're think, saying Spider-Man. I could think, see of them, think of them. Think, I think my thing is different. Yeah, it's not good. Yes, but I had a very bad week. I fear we have made it worse. We've all gigged together loads of times, and I know I've got a reputation on the circuit, particularly amongst the Jewish comedians, of always turning up with food. Like, neither of you have ever gigged with me when you haven't been fed. That's because I'm a Jewish mother. I'd always want to know, have you eaten yet? So, Steve, what is your most significant Jewish food memory? My food fetishes, okay. Um, <laughs> we live with my grandparents, like a lot of people, Russian Jews, and my bubba was the greatest baker. She used to make these, she called them cinnamon kichels. They weren't kichels, they were softer than kichels. I always think of hard biscuits like cookies. But she made absolutely the best ones. But my favourite thing, I come from Stoke Newington, and as a kid, used to hang around at Stanford Hill. And in fact, I, in fact on, on reflection, I'm not even sure if it was kosher, but there was a, a restaurant, the E&A, restaurant on Stanford Hill and I used to go to Stanford Hill Club I used to go to Victoria Club like to the dances and then we'd come back and stop and, and have maybe a salt beef sandwich and a latka and I think it would cost like in old money half a crown I can't even think what that is now 25 pence or something and it was just glorious I just wish we could go back well I'd like to go back to those prices and I noticed <laughs> on one of the shows I think Esther Esther Charkham on I worked with Esther years ago but she was mentioning something about salt beef being too fat mm. you ask for a lean they charge you more but you ask for it lean really? so they an extra sixpence or something but they, they would cut, I mean, I'm guessing they would still do it today and charge for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I rarely eat Jewish food now. There's nowhere to eat it. I can't think of any Jewish restaurants anymore. So I'll give you a list. Okay, to go. Oh, please do. We were in New York a couple of years ago. We went to the Stage Deli. We went to Katz's. I love that. I mean, it's not good for you, but I love it. I really love the fact that when you started talking about the salt beef and luckers, your whole face lit up. It was like, it was really something to behold. You were sort of telling the story. You went to the dance hall, then you went salt beef and luckers. <laughs> like it was a beautiful dream. I'm intrigued by the Lutkas. Were they were they really big? Three inches long and inch and a half wide, or two inches wide. I grew up having the kind of Lutkas that you have in the freezer and your parents take out when they do you a Vienna. Oh, no. So when I first went to a deli and I asked for a Lutka and, and they said, oh, you only get one Lutka with your portion. I was astounded. And then it oh. turned up and it was almost as big as the sandwich. It was amazing. Philip, yeah. your parents, your mother didn't make the Lutkas herself. She used frozen ones, you're saying? I'm, I, I don't want to 
want to be disparaging about my mother because earlier on the, in the show, I've already said too much. She was a fantastic cook, but raising four children and a husband, she uh, did sometimes have to just defrost things to cook. So yeah, we grew up having uh, real salt beef. Uh, she used to make salt beef, actually, when you were allowed. She made chopped liver. Um, but yeah, the, the luck, because it was just those tiny ones and you'd have sort of 20 because it was just so small i just want you to know that i made salt beef like two weeks ago at home and luckers but did you yeah. actually salt the beef i did everything i, I didn't what think you, you were allowed anymore no you buy it with uh brined yeah, and then you add stuff to it to, to cook it wow al what is your biggest jewish food memory what stands out to my mind is potato kugel i really like my grandmother's potato kugel i noticed there are different types but hers, I really like. It was dark. It was seemed like burnt. The outside of it was like kind of burnt. And I got the sense that was, she wanted to have it, that burnt thing. And obviously there were potatoes in it. But I just absolutely loved potato kugel. I've had, uh, there's another type of kugel that, luxion kugel. I don't know if you ever heard of that. It's something, another mm -hmm. kind of, I never liked that. That's like a lighter one. But I loved potato kugel. It was my absolute. Did you guys have potato kugel in Britain? Yeah. Yes, we have yeah. potato kugel and lakshan kugel. I'm, I make them both, obviously. Oh, right. Lakshan kugel has got noodles in it and raisins, right? Yes. Oh, yes. It's, it's, you can make it savory or sweet, but even the savory one has cinnamon. Okay. Yeah, that was fine. It's kind of like a dessert. It felt like more of a dessert. I just love potato kugel for some reason. I uh, Maybe it's because I like my grandma maybe a little more than my mother. But <laughs> it might have been that. <laughs> But, and I never saw potato kugel in restaurant. Like the Carnegie Deli didn't have potato kugel. Not like my grandmother made, like the darker. So you had the potato kugel, which it's dark on the outside, kind of a little burnt or something? Or I have... mean, it depends how you make it. Yeah, mine, I like it definitely crispy on the outside. Yeah, same with me. I never saw that in restaurants. I think I may have seen it in some Jewish, like in Miami Beach, there was a famous restaurant. I think it was actually called Famous, a Jewish restaurant downtown Miami Beach. They may have had potato cocoa, but nothing was really like my grandmother. Maybe I did have a good childhood. <laughs> I've got a question. What's your Jewish? New, new green cucumber or sweet and sour? I've eaten both today, and I would say new green. New green, a brand or something? What, what is it? You know, like big cucumbers like you get in uh, a deli like, with a sandwich. What's the difference between a cucumber and a pickle? again a pickle is like dipped in something or what is it no it's been pickled it's a cucumber that's been pickled the I... new green is like a salty vinegary pickle with garlic and yeah, right. a sweet and sour or sweet pickles they they are what they sometimes in their if they were drawing a child holding a pickle in a cartoon it would look like that if i went to an american deli and asked for a gherkin they wouldn't have a clue what i was talking about because they gherkins would be tiny little things like cornichon. Oh. As a kid, my favorite was a sour pickle. Yeah, you can get a sour pickle. I, I'm like a pickle expert. I'm not sure that's something to be proud of. I don't want to think that we're going to fall out over these kinds of things about what is and what isn't a pickle, whether it's bagel, whether it's bagel. We know there are loads of feuds right. in the Jewish world, different broiguses, and we want to know about some of yours, Steve. When I was at primary school, I was very clever. And in those years, you did the 11 plus, and two of us got the highest mucks. And there was a grammar school in the city called Rains Foundations, and they had a place for one, one boy. If that boy passed the interview, he got in. If he didn't pass the other one automatically got in without an interview oh. and they sent the other boy went in first and he got it my life would have been completely different had i gone to grammar school so i just went to a rough school in hackney and just went downhill from there if i'd have gone in there my life could have changed i could have been a doctor or i don't know something instead of the low life that i became <laughs> so all i'm gonna say 
if Dennis Waxman is still alive and out there, I'm looking for you because you ruined my life. <laughs> but I have another little story which I absolutely love to tell. My late father had a brother and sister. Uh, he used to speak to them both every, virtually every week. His brother he spoke to every week. My auntie Rini spoke to every two weeks. My uncle used to phone my dad. My dad would phone him. My auntie Rini never phoned. My dad always phoned her. And one day he was on the phone to her and he said, you know what, Rini? He said, I phone you every, every week, every two weeks. He said, the next time we speak, you're going to phone me. She said, okay. And they never spoke for 15 years. <laughs> and then my mother had a heart attack and you know, bad news travels. And Irini phoned up to see how my mother was. And then they got they got back together. Fifteen years they never spoke, and wow. there wasn't an argument. I think it's a beautiful story. I love that even after fifteen years, she stuck to her word, and she was the one that called him. Yeah, I suppose there is that. That is a great story. Al, are there any Broguses in your family? In my family, well, yeah, there are those issues, but I wasn't. I'd forgotten about the in the family part of the question. I just kept. I just noticed the small grudge part. It does not have to be in your family. I'm very happy to rephrase the question okay. for you. Okay, thank you. Because yeah, I just focused on the small. Al, do you? know of any broiguses you'd like to share with us in my family <laughs> yeah. uh actually yes but you know i don't like to think of it as a good i can't you know i guess part of being jewish maybe or part of being me is none of my small grudges i consider small i consider them all big and equally big maybe but one little thing bothered me you know i'm a struggling comic you know and i looked on your website and when it said uh, you listed the the a lot of the big Jews that have been your, your on your show, right, or are going to be on, right? And I wasn't even on that. And I was thinking, not only am not, I'm not a, a big comic, I'm not even a big Jewish comic, you know? I can't even make the Jewish list. And so I have a grudge against your list. <laughs> in our defense, in our defense, we had not put a date in the diary with you when we wrote the list. You have a defense for not revising the list after you put the date in. And if I had, if I had, if it had been in the diary, it's not necessarily that you would have put me in the list. We'll never know. I'll never know, but you know. I know. <laughs> We've got a lot of connections with each other. And actually, Steve, you and I have an unfortunate connection I've just discovered today, which is that my dad went to Rain's school. He also lived in the East End. When you were telling your story about how only one kid got to go, I was slightly terrified that you were going to say the name of my father. But if you think about the six degrees of carny bacon, who is your most interesting personal Jewish connection, apart from the three of us? Well, it would be a young man who was born with the name Mark Feld uh, and became Mark Bolan. Oh, wow. How did you know and him? Mark was my best friend. He lived over the road to me. We had a, a little group called Susie and the Hula Hoops. And that was myself, <laughs> Mark, Helen Shapiro. I don't know if you're... Ever heard of Helen? Walking back to happiness, Helen Shapiro. Yeah, she had a couple of big hit records and she was like 14 years old. Yeah, Mark and I grew up together and we were friends. We There was a, a number of years that we didn't see each other, but by sheer fluke, and I'm a great believer, I believe in Bashir, I believe things are fated. And a year before Mark died, somebody got us back together. So I saw him a couple of times the year before he died. How was the reunion? Fantastic. There's a really lovely story. My parents kept a kosher home. I was over at Mark's one day and his mother cooked for me. Mark's mother wasn't Jewish. Mark's father was Jewish. And I had something to eat there and I went home and I, it might have even been a Friday. And my mum said to me, you ready for something to eat? I said, no, don't worry. I, I, I ate at Mark's place. She said, what did you have? And we had pork and crackling. <laughs> <laughs> my mother wasn't impressed. <laughs> On a Friday. It was the first time I ever ate trafe. I mean, 
That's real trafe, isn't it? I mean, yeah, that's hundred percent trafe. Yeah, that's that's more than bacon. That's an amazing story. Al, how about you? What? Who is the most interesting Jew other than us that you are personally connected to? Jesus Christ. And you're personally connected to him in yeah, through, through DNA. He was a previous Jew, and I'm offended yeah. eventually through him. You know, I don't believe he was the son of God, but I do consider him a friend, and he was he was very popular. So he's probably he's definitely the biggest you know connection I have as a Jew. I was going to mention a combination of Seinfeld and Silverman because they both mentioned me in the podcast and I know them decently, but Jesus was bigger. When you question whether Seinfeld is bigger than Jesus, I can't find Jerry on Twitter, but I found at Seinfeld TV, which is, I guess, the official Seinfeld Twitter account, which has got 204,000 followers. And as we know, Jesus only had 12. (laughs) (laughs) There we are. (laughs) Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do consider Jesus is my biggest connection, you know, uh, and I consider myself friends in a way with him. You know, he's not ever communicated with me, but I feel, you know, it's a one-way relationship, but I feel he's the biggest Jew I'm connected to, I think. And before that, Moses, you know, it's a tie between Jesus and Moses, I guess, and Abraham, the three Jews, you know, as opposed to the three Stooges were all three Jews. Yeah, so I'd like to get the three Jews connected to the three Stooges. Whether they're crossing the road or getting into hot water, if laughter is the best medicine, why do we need chicken soup? Let's give the chickens the day off and share some of your favourite Jewish jokes. Steve. Jewish man goes to the job centre looking for work. Guy says to him, what do you want to do? He said, I want to be a lumberjack. So he said, can you be a lumberjack? You're a little Jewish man. He said, do you have any experience? The guy says, sure I do. He said, 10 years experience. The fellow says, where? Jewish guy says, the Sahara Forest. Guy says, don't you mean the Sahara Desert? Jewish guy says, now. (laughs) Brilliant. Al, let's have your favourite Jewish joke. You're assuming, you know, that I have a favourite Jewish joke. That, That assumes it's kind of like a leading question. Isn't it? Because I've heard millions and millions of Jewish jokes, and now I have to go through my mind and think, what's my favorite Jewish jokes? Do you have any idea how many Jewish jokes I've heard in my life? I've been alive a long time. I've heard tons and tons of Jewish jokes. First of all, I'd have to remember them. I'm not going to remember them all. I'm going to remember some of them, right? And what if I don't remember the ones I really love? Because I'm only remembering some of them. Then I remember some of them. Now I have to choose among the some of them I remember what my favorite is. And what the, the word favorite is just so loaded. What's my favorite? On what level? On the level of the word usage, on the level of the timing, on the level of the punchline. There's so many levels to favorite. And how do you even choose? Like if you're really in the moment and present, maybe all jokes are your favorite. Everything's your favorite. It's just a bizarrely loaded question. How does one determine what one's favorite Jewish joke, much less one's favorite anything is? Isn't that going to take a lot of self-exploration? You know, I mean, that's that's the hugest decision right there. What's my favorite? Think of all the Jewish jokes I've heard. Now I have to process that in my head and determine a favorite. What if there isn't a favorite? What if I like them all equally? What if I dislike them all equally? There are so many. I mean, I don't know if you realize the loaded question that was. Jewish jokes are your children. Jokes are like your babies. I have millions of Jewish babies you're asking me to kill to say one Jewish baby is the best. It's like Sophie's Choice. Think of all the Jews that must Jewish jokes must die for one Jewish joke. So do you have a joke you want to share? Well, okay, I've narrowed from the millions of jokes I've heard. The two different jokes. One I did not write and one I wrote in my act. Let me do the joke. The other, not mine. The, the, the not mine one. Okay. Overprotective Jewish mother says to her son, put on your jacket. I'm cold. <laughs> okay. Here's the joke I wrote. I say, uh, as a kid in school, I noticed in uh, in uh, gym class, you know, the great the greatest athletes were the Christian kids. 
they really were the best. The Jewish kids were not good athletes. They really weren't. I mean, I always thought as a kid that the word uh, gym was short for Goyim. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's nearly all we've got time for, but how will our audiences know what you're up to if you never call, you never write? So this is your chance to tell our lovely audience where they can find you. Normally, we'd allocate 20 seconds to do this, but for you, 30. Al. Well, I suffer from anxiety, so quite honestly, I don't want people to find me. I, I want to be unfound. And for also, I, I don't really feel lost, so I don't like the concept of being found. Finding me implies I'm lost. But to plug me, there's been a documentary done on me with not surprising title, Mentally Al. And so there's, they're looking for a little more money to touch it up, but it's like an hour and a half long. It's been in 20, a, a lot of festivals, and it's doing pretty good. And also, I wrote a movie based on my character that I'd like to act in, and so a feature-length film, and so I need money. So if anybody out there has money, money and wants to invest in me, I promise not to come to their parties. <laughs> and Steve? If I can ever work again, we can never get back to gigging on the road. I'm on Facebook as Sol Bernstein. I'm on Twitter at Sol Bernstein. Got my own website, soulbernstein.com. And I've got an album which you can buy on Spotify and uh, Amazon Audio called Sol Bernstein, an old Jew telling old Jewish jokes. We will link to that from our show notes for sure. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed this show. And from now on, I'll always think of Al as the Jew who introduced us to the most Jewish superhero of all, Superman, and Steve as the Jew who ate crackling with Mark Bolan. <laughs> and as my grandmother used to say when she wanted to end my telephone calls, you must have better things to do than talk to me, and you must have better things to do than talk to us, which is a good thing. But sadly, we've come to the end of this week's show. We'd like to thank our guests, Steve Jameson and Al Lubell. Follow them on social media. Follow us on social media at Jew Talking without the G. Don't forget to share, subscribe and review and join us next time on Jew Talking to Me. Jew Talking to Me was hosted by me, Rachel Krieger. And me, Philip Simon. And it was produced by Russell Bolkins. I'm actually very excited to edit this. You're excited about editing it implies you're excited about removing things from it. Enhancing <laughs> it. I'm, 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 you're right. What we should do is just put it out unedited. Listener, they did not.